Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, guys. This is Goop Yourself, the podcast where we talk about everything goop. I'm Brian Rucker. I'm Aggie Hewitt. And it's been another dire week in these United States of America. Has it? I, well, I think because like I was planning to drive up to my mom's house for Thanksgiving. And then, you know, like this week we like officially decided that we weren't going to go up. And it's, you know, smart and the right decision but i i guess because i don't see my family that often I, I am like feeling a little sad about it which you know everyone is fucking dealing with the same thing so um but it's you know i just wanted to get out of the house and it's not gonna happen yeah i mean i don't know i canceled um my thanksgiving too which was all gonna be local people anyway but i'm just like it's not worth it i just don't care like it's so not worth it. I'm actually really relieved that it's not happening because I know like the few things that I've gone to since COVID started, which I have not gone to a gathering or of any sort. Like I've seen friends one, like one-on-one only. Yeah. I think I've, I've literally hung out with one friend outside twice or three times in this whole eight months or nine months, whatever. But like, even doing that, I usually end up like freaking out and being like, oh my God, why did I do that? And I just like have like two weeks of being like, am I going to get sick and da da da. And it's just like, I don't want to go to like a Thanksgiving at my parents' house, which first of all, would have been outside anyway. So it would have been cold. And just like thinking the whole time, like, am I getting too close to these people? And am I getting going to get anyone sick? Or am I going to get sick? But mostly, am I going to get anyone else sick, which is like the primary concern when I'm like with my parents or any other like member of my family. And like, I just don't want to. I just don't want to deal with it. I'm just like, yeah, the mental stress. It's so not worth it. Yeah. And hopefully, I mean, I have to say, I'm not optimistic that most of the country feels the same way. Um, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, I feel like you'd have to be like, so crazy to be like, no, like I am doing this and you can't stop me from having a Thanksgiving. Like I just 
can't get my head around it. I mean, a big percentage of this country thinks COVID is, if not totally fake, like completely exaggerated by the media. Uh, I do, I started following a couple like right-wing people on Twitter just to like see what they're saying. And it is, it's like, it's, I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah, I've definitely seen people be like, I am having a Thanksgiving with my family and celebrating this great nation. And people are trying to stop me from celebrating my family and America or whatever. And I'm just like, Mm -hmm. you are so deluded. I don't even know what to tell you. Like, what are you like? I just, uh, why? Like also Thanksgiving is like the number one skippable holiday. Like when I was in college, I never did Thanksgiving. I like always like, I like, cause you, I would never fly home for Thanksgiving and then go home for two weeks and then fly home no. again for Christmas. I would just stay in Chicago and then fly home for, for Christmas. Like I missed so many Thanksgivings. Like I'm fine without Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. No, I usually, I would the same way. Like, uh, I would, you know, typically when I lived in New York, I would fly home once a year and it would be around Christmas time. Um, I think this is just because now, like I live in driving distance of my family and I don't know. And it was like, you know, we were planning to have like a very small, just with, you know, with my mom and my sister and her husband and their kids and then me and my husband. So it's like, you know, what is that? Seven people. So we were sort of planning on this and, you know, we were all quarantining and I was going to get COVID tested today until, you know, we decided not to go. So I canceled the test. But so I think it was just like, I was like hyping it up a little bit in my mind. And then, you know, now, and then just sort of a quick decision to not do it. So I'll be, we'll be fine. We're going to, you know, zoom with my cousins and, and, and do another zoom with John's family. So we'll actually, you know, technically see more people than usual. Yeah. That's what happened when I did my Passover Seder on zoom. Like we had all these people from New York and Oregon on it. So it was actually more people than I would have seen anyway. And it was actually more fun because of that. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so it'll be, it'll be you and Brian and you're making a turkey or you said you're ordering. No, I honestly, if I could get away with it, I would make absolutely nothing. I somehow got, I think I'm going to make a couple of highs. Um, mostly as like gifts, but, um, I, I really, I'm not, I am not cooking a fucking turkey. First of all, it's two people. Second of all, I don't want to cook. I just like, I'm just thinking back to the Seder and like my kitchen. I think I said last time was like the most fucked up it's ever been in the history of my life. I mean, cooking like a feast in a tiny kitchen is just it just takes up so much space and it gets so crazy in there. Yeah. And it's like, I don't have the counter space. I don't have a dishwasher. I am not doing it. And so I'll make the fucking pies <laughs> and that's it. That's great. You're making, I did, I'm not even making pies. I, I ordered a couple pies uh, for my family, but now, you know, John and I will have to choke down two pies all by ourselves, which oh, no, the worst anything with that no uh but yeah i am well i had like a recipe for a roast chicken i was going to cook until there might be a little recipe on this newsletter that i might switch to but that will 
yeah from up later on this podcast yeah we'll definitely be talking about that and talking about it rather quickly because i think it's high for both of us it's what it sounds like it's high for both of us uh well yeah um is there did you see any gwyneth news um yeah one of them made my list Ooh. but it's really not that interesting i guess i'll just say what it is because i did double up on it her childhood home is selling i saw that too it's gonna be my status because it was um for sentimental reasons although she hasn't lived there in a long time i do have another one that was going to be also another status so i'll just say that when we get to the list but um her childhood home is a 15 and a half million dollar townhouse in new york and um I don't know. The article I read was like Gwyneth Paltrow was in the Royal Tenenbaums and she really did live in a house like that. And this is it. Yeah. The the article is from the wall street journal, even though wall street journal is behind a paywall. So I had to go to some. Oh, I didn't read it on the wall street journal. I read it on something called like mansion news. That's that's the one that I, it's mansionglobal.com. They just, I think they just like plagiarized the the wall street journal article. Uh, but yeah, it's a $15.5 million townhouse. I Okay, so Blythe Danner is like a Tony Award winning actress and, and Bruce Paltrow is a producer. How, how are they that rich? Are they, were they that rich and famous? Well, I, I mean, New York real estate obviously has like, just like increased a lot and they yeah. probably, and they aren't, sound, they're not the owners of the house now. No. So they've sold it since and they probably were, wealth i mean yeah they were probably fairly wealthy i'm sure they also come from money anyway well yeah because so they the paltrow's owned this place from 1984 to 1992 so i imagine in 1984 you could just be like relatively rich and buy an upper east side townhouse whereas now you really would have to be like a billionaire well i guess if you you have to be like george soros yeah yeah george soros jeffrey epstein or gwyneth paltrow that's those are the that's the trifecta um yeah like i feel like they probably were wealthy and and had it and sold it a long time ago i don't think that like if it was if it was if it was what it is now they probably wouldn't have had it but maybe not i don't know yeah i don't i mean now i th- I think like obviously it's you know 15.5 million dollars so gwyneth gwyneth could afford it now i don't know that blythe danner in the 80s could afford 15.5 million but but it wouldn't have been 15.5 million. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's okay. So like, I always, I've, I, I've never, I lived in New York for what, 13 or 14 years. I unfortunately never made any like rich friends like this. Cause I have never been, I've never been in one of these Upper East Side townhouses. It's 7,200 wow. square feet. It's five floors, which I guess like, yeah, that makes sense. Cause all those buildings are like five, five stories high, but I just didn't even, I don't know. I didn't even really think that like someone would just have the entire house and like live in a five-story mansion. It's crazy that like there's a mansion in there. It's like a trick. Like it looks like a nice like apartment building, but inside it's like a mansion like you'd see in the suburbs. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's because I think everything in New York is so big and so close together. So you're seeing these buildings and from the outside, it looks very normal. But if you were, you know, on the outskirts of Salt Lake City, you would see the same size building and it would, you know, it's a giant McMansion. But yeah, it's like rich people, you, everyone says, oh, in New York, you don't have any space. Well, if you're rich, you have just as much space, if not more. Yeah. I mean, you just don't have a front yard. 
Well, the, the city is your front yard. The city is your front yard. Yeah, the city is the fifth character in your <laughs> But like, how fucked up, you're just, if you're a little girl, you're Gwyneth Paltrow and you just lit, like this is what you're used to. This is how you grew up is living in a five story mansion. And then, yeah. it, and then for her, it only got better. I that, know. That was like the humble beginnings. Her humble beginnings were a five-story mansion in New York. And now she's like the head of a global empire and even more rich than she was when she started. I mean, it's to get inside the mind of someone like that. It's just but then it's like, why? Like, who cares what they think? You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to go. To, I mean, I know we have this podcast all about her, but like, also, I can't stop thinking about how I said the fifth character in a trifecta. I don't know what the <laughs> hell I was talking about. I was just thinking about how in Sex and the City, they were always like, oh, right. the city is the character. It's a foomfecta. In a, in a foofecta. Um, a quartet. Anyway, cut the whole thing. The <laughs> point is, I don't understand the, like, I don't think a person who has that background really has anything to offer of interest. That's interesting at all. You're a hundred percent right. And this is my fatal flaw as a person and as a thinker, and especially as like my creative interests is I am fascinated with the rich and I always have been, and I always will be. And that's just who, that's just what I like to read about, what I like to write about, like who I like, it's just, I, I don't know. It's, it's terrible. It's horrible. But I like, you know, I like Edith Wharton books and I like reading goop and it's, it's just like so fucked up and it's a psychological defect, I guess. My, my theory is that, well, everybody kind of, I think feels the same way you do. And like, I think it's very normal. And, it, and when people are like, when we watch like any movie, it doesn't have to be a movie about the rich, but the characters are usually rich in it. Even if they don't say they're rich, they very clearly like the ha- they live in like these large houses. They have these like f- ex- exciting wardrobes. Like unless it's about like a poor person becoming rich, <laughs> then or like some like I don't know like slice of life movie or whatever. If you watch like an average like romantic comedy or um. Or, or like a, even like a crime drama, like the people in it are going to be like well off. I think it's just because if you have that established as a baseline, like you have this room for drama that people don't have in their day-to-day lives because they're just trying to survive, which is too depressing to warrant like being made into a movie. Like yeah. no one wants to watch that. Well, cause, cause poverty or even being, you know, working class, middle class or whatever money is like one of the overriding issues in your day-to-day life. You're always thinking about money. You're always worrying about money. And so like, yeah, you're, if you're, you know, these, these shows that Nicole Kidman does or whatever, you're, yeah, you're free to explore anything else besides money but you're still you're still glamorizing it and you're still reveling in the money yeah and it's like it's escapism like it's more fun like that nicole kidman show if she lived in some like rundown shitty apartment and it was like her and her kid being like freaking out about the dad you'd be like oh no not not you nicole but if she's like running around town wearing that like fucking four thousand dollar coat and she's and all of her friends are like these like business women and they're going to these like parties on the like these like penthouse parties in this like glass encased room like you have something to look at yeah yeah i mean it's more visually appealing uh it's more visually appealing 
I get, yeah, but I, I don't know. It's something about the psychology of the rich or, you know, maybe it is just, you know, vicariously living through them. Cause like the crown, that's another show that I, it's the one show that drops on Netflix every year where I have to like binge it immediately. And, um, I don't know what that says about me, but it can't be anything good. Well, that guy, I really, I mean, we've talked about this before, but I have, I do think that guy is really good. The guy that makes the, crown. Oh yeah. I mean, they, the, I think pe- people do, people who haven't seen The Crown, like, sort of make fun of it, because there is sort of that, you know, wealth porn aspect to it, but it is, like, a very incisive show, and it talks about, like, power and and sort of the um, the randomness of this one family being given all this money and power, and how yeah. they are just very mediocre people. Well, he's like a total royalist. Like he, his thing is like, these people are tasked with this great responsibility and like, how do they navigate it? Which is like, I think they're, I mean, well, I haven't really watched too much of The Crown, but I watched The Queen, which is the guy's movie. And like, that's about Elizabeth's relationship with Tony Blair. And that's definitely the theme of it. Like that he, like this, like Democrat, whatever the hell he is this like centrist Democrat of the labor party, like has to like learn to respect the crown and the queen and like understand what, Oh yeah. What a, what a struggle for a centrist Democrat to like respect wealth and power. Well, that's like, I know exactly. But that's like, I mean, that's what it's about. He's like, Oh God, like, as a figurehead and doesn't matter. And then he's like, Oh, it's like really important for us to have a Royal family because, and these people like are like, the big there i mean i i'm putting it in like american terminology but like these people are like the greatest patriots and they're like actually sacrificing so much for our country and like they only care about england and like making and like preserving england well yeah i mean they they care about maintaining power and i guess they care about like not humiliating themselves even though they constantly humiliate themselves but i guess what i like and i haven't seen the queen in a long time but the show because it it does it, it does have that reverence for the royal family in the sense of they do have like prestige and they do have power, but it also is like these people, the people themselves are completely ordinary. So it, it, I guess it is that sort of uh, vicarious thrill of thinking, Oh, like, you know, by another twist of fate, I could have been in the Royal family. And like, what would I have done? Like, would I have tried to like do my duty and work as hard as possible like Elizabeth, or would I just have been like a total, like, you know, chain smoking, alcoholic loser like Margaret, because I don't have to do anything else. And then, you know, you regret, you're like, oh, I lived my life and I did absolutely nothing. Um, yeah. So I think it's, th- that's what's so good about the show is because it does make the viewer, like it, it, it lets the viewer in by showing these people as just totally ordinary people who have been given extraordinary power by random fate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I guess, I mean, that's, that's the idea of it, but I feel like it's, I mean, I don't know. I haven't really seen it, but, um, have you seen the new season? Yeah. I already watched it. Uh, it's great. I love every season. Um, Jillian Anderson is completely insane as Margaret Thatcher. Uh, uh, I've never seen a performance so broad. <laughs> I mean, Margaret Thatcher is like a 
fun character. Yeah, like, she's, she's cartoony. I've never seen the Meryl Streep version, so I'm now now I'm curious to like compare them. Uh, and the girl who plays Diana is the movie's called uh, the the Iron Lady. The Iron the Iron, Iron Lady. Lady. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the girl who plays Diana, I think she's very pretty, and she gets a lot of Diana's like eye movements and like head tilts right, but I don't. She's like a, she's just a very young actress and I don't know that she has like the gravitas. Um, so I didn't, I didn't think, I thought she was fine, but I wasn't like wowed by her, I guess. Did you read what the Hollywood Elsewhere guy wrote about her? Oh no, what did, what did he say? What's his name? Jeffrey Wells. Jeffrey Wells. So uh, Brian sent it to me because he thought he, I would think it was so insane and I did. And his whole thing was about how, um, it was way before it came out. She was too tall to play Diana. And it was like all about her size, like how tall she is. And then Oh no, like, that's the next lady that's going to play her next year. Oh, there's another Diana. Yeah. The lady that plays her next year is Elizabeth Debicki. Who's like six over six foot tall. Oh, I see. Okay. Well then he was upset about that one. I guess I didn't read him say anything about this, this one. I don't follow. Wait, wait but what did he just was like, she's too tall. He was like, she's way too tall. And I think women that tall are disgusting. I, I, look, I, all I can say is I don't want a woman to have a bigger shoe size than me. And I know I'm not very PC because that's sizest and the plus size movement won't like it, but women shouldn't be that tall or whatever. And I was like, you fucking idiot. Like the, the idea of like um, body positivity is not about, I mean, I guess it extends to height but it's just so crazy to me that you would think that that's what people are talking about. They're talking about like your weight, like not worrying about your weight, not being like, I'm like six feet tall. And like, I, I just, I couldn't believe it. I was like, this man is insane. Yeah. He, cause he, I mean, he, I don't even, I wouldn't even call him a film critic at all. Like he's like a weird blogger, but it's, it's like a it, gonzo journalist. Gonzo, he fancies himself a gonzo journalist, but it is crazy how you can be, he's, I don't know, in his sixties or seventies a man who he really only thinks women especially actresses women on film are there to turn him on sexually and if they and don't him specifically, him specifically and yeah. like to be to like his specific taste so like he he lacks the ability to say like oh even if it, the only point for, for a woman is to be attractive which it's not but like let's say it is even then it has to be like i personally am attracted to this person i can't even objectively say like this is a this is a beautiful woman like it's impossible no. for him if he doesn't like have like an animal brain like response to the person ah uh, yeah jeffrey wells guys <laughs> don't don't look him up <laughs> i don't I, I i don't but i know that like i i i know people in my life who are like weirdly obsessed with him because they hate him so much oh yeah like, i mean hey you know me him and uh Sasha Stone, his best friend, who yeah. she, she's another film Oscar blogger who now has pivoted again. She was like a super huge, like Joe Biden, like Democratic, like blue no matter who person. But now she like hates the Democrats and has become, I don't even know how this is possible, but she's like an alt centrist. What? It's, what does that mean? She, she like hates the Democrats. She only listens to like Meg, she listens to like Megan Kelly's podcast and says how great it is, but she also hates Trump and she doesn't like Republicans, but she just thinks that woke culture has ruined the Democrats. And now she's like, I wash my hands of everything. It's crazy. 
I got to follow her. I, I mean, look, I also hate the Democrats and hate the Republicans. Well, sure. But I'm like, at least hate the Democrats from the left. Like at least like, if you're going to, if you're going to be completely, uh, like online, just being needlessly provocative, at least have like beliefs that like, you know, that, that reason for it. yeah. And she, I'm like, Sasha, just like, listen to come town or listen to true and on. And like, you'll find your people there, but you can't <laughs> approach just it. Just listen to come town. <laughs> leave her alone people don't need to listen <laughs> but I'm like i don't I, it's like this weird baby boomer provocateur which i'm like you would find your home in the dirtbag left if only you would just say that people should have basic health care but you refuse even that so you get alienated from everyone i know it's like look if you just accept medicare for all like you can walk away from the democratic party yeah you can be so as big of an asshole as morality intact exactly it's an easy exchange of like i mean yeah it's crazy that these people refuse i don't know people are fucked up because well, she's probably still mad about bernie right oh yeah she hates bernie because she that's the thing is she's like she's like the 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 puma the post what puma well puma was party unity my ass it was when obama beat hillary for the um oh. nomination but then so they i think i don't think that they called themselves puma during the bernie debacle but um but it was like this new generation of hillary stands that like so they so she hates the left but then now she hates the democratic establishment because they um basically her big thing is they didn't say they said all the like right-wing uh protests and stuff were gonna you know be super spreader events and all of Trump's rallies and stuff are super spreader events, but they don't, cl- they don't open their mouths when it's like um, black lives matter. And she thinks that that was like the original or like the, the sin of the Democrats is not, is not being realistic in her words that these protests against police brutality were also super spreader events, but there's literally really? no evidence that they were because like for the most part people were social distancing and wearing masks that's what i heard that like the that the i mean i see people on the internet being like well they were but everyone says that they weren't so i don't know well i mean i'm just going by like like after the summer like you know the the numbers didn't really go up that much after these protests so it's just sort of like empirical evidence that they weren't i mean i don't know that they would have they helped contain the disease but it's not yeah. like it's not like the the trump rallies i don't know well the trump rallies are also like aggressively like we don't wear masks and like yeah. we do not like they are protesting the idea of of quarantine like they're i don't know what the hell they're protesting but they're they're in they're aggressively not wearing masks and not social distancing to prove a political point because they are really 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 stupid so it's not really the same thing, but whatever. No, because yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, oh my God. How did we even get here? We need to focus. Let's okay, talk about we goop. need to focus on what's really important. Goop, 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 goop. Uh, yeah. All right. This is a, a brief, only a two newsletter week. Thank God. Yeah. Thank fucking God. What was your best? Well, my best, I thought was going to be your best, was the dinner for two the thanksgiving for two. Oh, uh it didn't make my best but i appreciated it i appreciate it as well look so okay again i'm not cooking anything so i don't really have a horse in this race but before i 
decided to purchase all of my food for Thanksgiving and not make a single fucking thing, I was doing a really hardcore Google search. Like what can I make? Like what's, I need like a pared down Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. meal plan for two. Like I know that someone's written this article. Where is it? I was searching, 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 nothing. And I was really frustrated. And then the first one that I got in my inbox, of course, was from Goob, who really sometimes has their finger on the pulse, sometimes not so much. But hey. Um, hey you would think every publication, I mean, I think because the the lag time in magazines is so long, everyone's doing their like Thanksgiving issues, you know, in the spring. So yeah, uh, it's yeah. only when you are, you know, when you do as little recipe testing or proofreading as possible, such as Goop, you're able to turn it around so quickly. Exactly. Well, actually, I feel like now more and more of them are coming out because I think that they're aware that like a lot of people are staying home and it's, I don't even know how responsible it is for them to still be like, here's a feast for eight people when we know we're not supposed to be doing that. And yet, see, this is another annoying fucking thing where like, everybody's saying don't have these mass gatherings. Well, when I was trying to find like a small place to sell me just like two Thanksgiving dinners, like from a restaurant, everybody was like, buy our $500 full thing with like a turkey and like all this stuff. And this feeds 12 people. And I'm like, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to be, don't tell Sasha Stone, but it's like, there should be regulations on this. Like, don't have fucking Thanksgiving. It's capitalism. We like these restaurants and businesses are not getting any help. So, and they make so much of their money this time of year and they need to fucking sell this shit. And it's, it's just insane. And they have to do it anyway. People are going to fucking die if they buy the shit and have these goddamn dinner parties. And it's like, I I just don't understand why everyone's acting like this is okay, but that's what we do in this stupid fucking country. Like we act like everything is fine as we know the product is actively killing people because we think that earning money is the most important thing on the planet. And it is because otherwise, you know, we'll die from that. Yeah. I mean, did you see Joe, Joe and Kamala just like started a fucking GoFundMe to pay for the transition now? Cause they're not getting any help from the Trump administration. So they, now they're like asking regular people for fucking money. It's so insane. Oh my God. Uh, they should have, a- they should have outlawed turkeys this year and just say no turkeys. Like how the Danish did with all the minks that were infected. They should have just executed all the turkeys. No one can have a turkey because that's what's, it's like a 12 pound turkey. It's like you, two people obviously can't eat that. And it's going to yeah. encourage super spreader Thanksgivings. Yes. Yes. Oh. So uh, but yeah, Goop, thank God, they're being responsible, responsible. and has a recipe for a roast chicken, which is what I'm going to do. And normal people who are just having Thanksgiving with their, you know, their partners and their cats mm. are going to substitute a turkey for a lovely roast chicken. Yeah. Well, not me. I bought a turkey from... Tamashanter, which is that, but not a full turkey. I bought like two Thanksgiving like plates or something. That's going to be great uh, for you for all of our non Los Angeles listeners. Tamashanter is like uh, a very old school sort of Scottish themed upscale pub with like um, 
you know, good old fashioned home food. So it's like, it's like a, it's owned by Lowry's the chain. So if you know, yeah. uh, prime rib is what they're known for most of the year, but I'm sure they're going to do a fantastic Turkey. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I agree. I mean, thank God goop is stepping up and being socially responsible. Um, yes. and the, from, for me, the, um, the roast chicken, it's a super herby, slow roasted chicken with shallots, uh, was going to be the thing I would try, except I don't, I will not be in possession of that many herbs. So I might just do like with the lemon zest and maybe one herb, like thyme or something. Oh, but you are going to do a version of this chicken? I think, okay. So I'm still deciding. I I have a roast chicken or I have a chicken right now in my refrigerator. I'm either going to do this goop one or Andy Baragami in Bon Appetit um, has a roast chicken recipe with like caramelized onions uh, that makes its own gravy. And that looks really good too. So I'll do one of the two or a combination of the two, but yeah. I have all the ingredients except for the herbs. Yeah. I mean, roast chicken is like kind of straightforward. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty easy. Um, but yeah, I'm doing that. I'm doing Ina Garten's stuffing with apples and cranberries and sausage. Um, yeah. and then I'm just gonna do like a regular mashed potatoes, maybe with some scallions and, uh, and the pies that I was going to bring up to my family. Um, I ordered and it's just a pumpkin and a chocolate pecan. Chocolate pecan is my favorite. So good. Oh, like a bourbon chocolate pecan. Yes. So uh, there's a really fancy bakery close to my house called Proof, and they sell out of their pies really quickly. Last year, I got the chocolate pecan, either rum or bourbon from them, um, but I didn't. I wasn't fast enough this year, so I ordered from Village Bakery, which is a nice bakery. It's not quite as fancy as Proof, and they also do a chocolate pecan. Yeah. I got mine from a very fancy bakery called my mom who I begged <laughs> to make one because she makes them every year. Yum, yum, yum. Uh, okay. So my best is inspired by the, let's see, it is the article entitled how one model mother and entrepreneur hit her stride outside the city. And it's this woman named Elettra Viederman, who's a model. She looks very pretty. And I'm reading about how she, you know, is living in this farmhouse. She lives outside of the city, blah, blah, blah. New York was too, I guess, too fast paced for her or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I scroll down and I see her mom is Isabella Rossellini. Oh my God. And shocking. So, shocking. shocking exactly. So I guess my, my best is the idea of third generation nepotism. So you are guys, I know if, if you guys know your Hollywood history, you know, Isabella Rossellini is the daughter of director Roberto Rossellini and actress Ingrid Bergman. And this woman, Electra Viederman is, you know, her daughter. So I, I think, I guess my thesis is second generation nepotism is tacky and, um, and two sort of striving and declasse, whereas third generation nepotism, you almost are getting into that old money situation where you don't have to prove yourself and you can just chill. Like Apple. Trying, like Apple, exactly. Apple. Um, or like, well, what about, hang on, but what generation is like Drew Barrymore? 
Okay, so this is tough because I feel like sometimes fame, well, wealth doesn't really skip generations usually, but fame does skip generations. So I don't know. I feel like Drew Barrymore is almost in a different category because it's like she had her name, but she her parents were like crazy, just sort of like drug addict hippies. So I think she's still... I mean, she obviously had, you know, one foot in the door because of her name, but it's not really the same thing as like a constant legacy of wealth and increasing, not increasing, but like at least lateral fame. Yeah. So who, I think who is like Dakota Johnson is another version of this where, um, yeah, you have wait, who, was, who was her grandma? Tippi Hedren. Oh, right. And, um, and then Melanie Griffith is her mother. And then she's the third. Um, so like, I don't know who Jamie Lee Curtis's kids are, but like, they will be there, that too. Cause it's like, you know, um, Tony Curtis, Jamie Lee Curtis, and then the kid. And maybe- Is her kid coming up as a celeb? I don't know. But that's the thing about third generation nepotism is you can choose to become a celeb or like Elektra Viederman, you can choose to just move to a farm and it doesn't affect you either way. Uh, Billy Lord, she's another, a good third generation. Which would you do if you were third generation? You know, definitely when I was younger, I would have wanted, because I was like, you know, I went to theater school and I wanted to be an actor. Um, so I definitely would have gone for it. Uh, but I don't know, no, knowing now a little bit more, being a little bit more jaded about the industry, <laughs> I don't know that I would have been able to or wanted to sustain a career and I probably by this time in my life would have just moved to my my parents giant farmhouse in upstate New York I know I feel like if I was born into a family like that I would have humiliated myself so profoundly I would have been like Tom Hanks's rapping son yeah I wouldn't have been like I wouldn't have handled it well and I I'm so weirdly like I I especially when I was younger I was so like aggressive and so I, I don't know I'm such a like I'm a rebel on that Gretchen Rubin chart like I would have just like done something so stupid so hopefully I would so I'd probably just be like recovering and like trying to like regain my dignity on a farm alone oh yeah I would have been in and out of rehab you know a, like a Hunter Biden level of times probably <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, so it's it's for the best probably that I wasn't part of a um, a generational nepotism dynasty. situation dynasty exactly. Uh, I don't know. I yeah, but this is another thing. I'm just like sick in the head because I'm like, oh my god, how cool it is that she's the daughter of Isabella Rossellini and the granddaughter of Ingrid Bergman. Like that's so neat. And I'm like, this is not neat. Like this is just dumb luck. And this woman is probably not interesting at all. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's just dumb luck, but I don't know. It's weird. Like I definitely have like pride and like things that my family accomplished when I was like, before I was born. Is that weird? Yeah, I think that's okay. I mean, I do a little bit too. Um, especially when it's like, you know, your family comes from poor immigrants and they had to like make something of themselves. Uh, or or not what? make something, but they made, or not made something. But they, they did stuff. Um, yeah. And like, I don't know. I definitely like see myself reflected or like, I try, like, I try to be like, don't forget, like, you know, your grandma, like 
got hit on by Valerie Solanas or whatever. Like that's, that's cool. cool. But it's not like she was, you know, Ingrid Bergman or something. Uh, my great grandfather was friends with Amelia Earhart. That's so cool. See, it's like stuff like that is cool. Because he was a like a a photojournalist, and he like they were just they knew each other. Yeah, that's that type of stuff is cool. I mean, stuff like that's cool. I mean, they took a picture together. Like this could be family lore, and maybe she didn't even know who he was. But my grandfather always said, "Oh yeah, they like were friendly." That's good. Who knows? Uh, okay, what was your worst? Oh, so I feel like I owe an apology to the people of Goop Yourself mm. and to all of the vagina having humans on the planet. Because I think that I was actually, and especially, especially to Dr. Gorda, because I think that I was too harsh on my pelvic floor takes. I think that actually pelvic floor work is like real and like super important. And I think it's good now. Gerda uh, convinced you to do your Kegels. Actually, it was like an Instagram thing. And I don't even know really what you're supposed to do for, I, I think it's more like after, like if you've had, if you've given birth, that it's really important to like maintain the health of your like vagina and your bladder and stuff. But, um, cause it's like, you know, that shit gets worn out. Um, mm-hmm. But I do understand now that it's like very important and I, I respect the, the pelvic floor. Well, apology accepted. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. I just, I can only, I have to apologize to you because I can't <laughs> talk to every uh, pelvic floor in the world. And this comes, there's a very, you know, sexually suggestive uh, pelvic floor advice column by Gerda with a beautiful female torso stock footage. <laughs> Yeah. I also feel like I used to have a strong pelvic floor when I did bar classes all the time. I don't really know. I seriously don't know what it is. I still don't really get get it, but I think that if you do like bar classes, you get a strong pelvic floor. For sure. I'm trying to strengthen my core. Um, cause I realized I've been like, whenever I like stand up or sit down, I just sort of like collapse or like use my hands and like, just like, and, and then I'm like, this is, my core is not going to, like it's all downhill from here as far as strength and looks go. So I'm like, I need to be conscious of like moving like a dancer and moving from my core. So the last few days that's, I've been trying to, I've been trying to do that. I know it's kind of scary when you get into your like mid to late thirties and you start to realize like, okay, it is literally downhill from here. And it's like, I can't just exercise to like look hot. I actually am going to have to do this to like not be in like crippling pain all the time and to like just be like a functioning human being for the next however many years I have left. Yeah. Cause you see, I mean, some like older people on the street and you're, you know, they have hunchbacks and they're shuffling along. And it's like, I mean, some of that, I guess is, you know, bad luck, but you're like, Oh, if there's anything I can do to prevent that, I should. <laughs> I know. It's so sad. <sighs> um, okay. My worst, and this will be quick. I was just, it was sort of the last straw today. Uh, this new product called symbiome symbiome Mm. and it's a new fucking line of skincare Mm. by this dude larry weiss and his big gimmick is the skin microbiome and these we got a new one i can't we we knew about skin we knew about the microbiome but did we know that skin has its own microbiome now we do. Maybe everything has a microbiome. 
I mean, he claims he's like, I don't, he says, you know, he doesn't understand why the gut microbiome has gotten all the publicity in the past few years because the skin microbiome is just as important. But doesn't your gut microbiome, I, they've been telling me that everything is controlled by the gut. Larry but Weiss. now it's the skin. Yeah. I mean, I guess Stephen Gundry is an inside out type of person. And then Larry Weiss is an outside in. It all starts with yeah, the skin. Yeah. I think it's like a common, like, sort of like nutritional or like health related scam called um essentialism where they say that you know all of like chiropractors chiropractic is like this where they'll say that like all of your problems come from your spine or like other doctors mm. who say like all of your problems come from your gut or whatever when really it's like you know things are happening all over your body yeah. and there's I mean they have an economic incentive to make it seem like whatever their specialty is is the most important yeah, you can say that again. <laughs> uh, so he has, oh God, he has a restorative cream, um, a cleanser, and then all these fucking different types of oils. And they're all like $85. I don't even know. They just look boring. And Goop, I feel like it, Goop is pivoting towards manufacturing their own skincare products. I'm like, why are they, why do they keep selling all these other ones too? It's like too much. Dude, I don't fucking know. It's like they really are selling too many things. I feel like they're gonna go the way of <laughs> last night. <laughs> Brian watches like all these like YouTube videos sometimes about like fast food companies and stuff, trying to like get more information. Sure. He has a very successful podcast, comedy podcast about a fast food company. So it's like it's like in his wheelhouse. Why are you not gonna say the name of it? Oh, it's called Whatever Happened to Pizza at McDonald's. And um, we watched a video last night about boston market and how they like had to file for bankruptcy because they started selling too much stuff like they were selling rotisserie chickens and then they expanded and they were selling like meatloaf and others and like i don't know other stuff and then um after that they started selling sandwiches and like sandwiches was really their downfall because then they had to compete with like mcdonald's mm. and then like they were just selling so much stuff that like people like love the food and like couldn't get enough of it but they were like couldn't keep up with the demand and they ended up having to like file for bankruptcy i feel like that's what goop is doing like they're selling so much stuff like how can they keep up with this yeah it's gonna i mean it's like gonna turn into sephora it's like what i mean and i'll go back to this in my saddest which i'll talk about a goop collaboration that truly shocked me um, okay, I can't wait to hear about it. But like, yeah, they keep, I mean, I get how they need to expand their customer base from like, you can't, I don't know. I don't know how, uh, how long-term success if you're, if you, if you're just selling to like the 1% of the 1%. So I get how they're, they need to broaden their base to some extent, but it's like, yeah, I mean, they're not, they're not selling to the 1% of the 1%. I feel like they're, well, yeah, that's true. Put that stuff on their catalog to like get attention. That's like advertising for them. Like, I don't think they sell any of it. They probably, we know what they sell. They release it. They sell like $50 bottles of eye cream and like maybe a couple of skirts or something. Like, yeah. Not- <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah, Goop Glow is really popular. Like it's like the, but that's why I do feel like they're branded stuff it seems to be popular and then you know there's all like the legacy products like vintner's daughter you know some tata harper like there's you know barbara storm like there's some ones that they're going to keep but like why are you why are we adding things at this point why are we adding these new doctors and these new fucking uh products i don't know i mean i guess that's how they like keep the whole thing sort of i don't know fresh in people's minds because 
if you can, it does feel less like creepy and culty to buy if you can if there's stuff on their website that you can also get on like nordstrom or something Mm -hmm. because they're so like weird and like esoteric and scary like as a brand that if it's like well this stuff is also available on like sephora you can get at the mall like some of the stuff isn't really that like exclusive or whatever it's Mm -hmm. normal stuff you might feel like a little bit more comfortable like purchasing it and it might be kind of a thrill to buy it from goop instead of to buy it from sephora or whatever just because it's like you know then you get to buy into this like lifestyle thing yeah you buy it from goop so you get to you know pay shipping you never know when you're gonna get it it's just yeah, a big surprise have, like, a little surprise for yourself <laughs> and um yeah the pleasure of paying twice for the shipping and waiting you know six to eight months to receive your like little <laughs> tiny bottle of like disgusting superfood powder that you'll try once and throw out uh uh but yeah, I just, I'd say, let's stop. Let's see where we're at product-wise. Let's maybe cull the herd a little bit and then start fresh. Much like, yeah, this, this is going to go the same way as Boston Market. I swear to God. It's the new Boston Market. Uh, I like Boston Market. I know, me too. Also, I was like, kind of wanted to just like order from Boston Market. but Is there a Boston Market around here? I thought there was, but I think it closed down. There, there used to be one, but I might be getting it confused with like a honey baked ham. Place. <laughs> also, I love a great brand. Another, yeah, perfect brand. Uh, all right. What was your craziest or your saddest? I just had a saddest. So one of my saddest was the house. Goodbye. But it's not really that sad because they sold it a long time ago. Oh, Yeah. But the one that I like that stuck with me as also being very sad was one of the gifts in the gift guide, or it was like, let's see, was it in nine thoughtful gifts you're giving to yourself? Yes, it was. It was. They recommended giving yourself a bouquet of dead flowers because they would never um, die on you and you don't have to maintain them. And I, I can understand, you know, I'm sure that they're very beautiful and I, I understand there's like sort of like a Victorian romantic um, aesthetic to a bouquet of dead flowers that is appealing, including to me. But the idea of gifting yourself a bouquet of dead flowers or just like considering it, I feel like your dried flowers should come from like you should dry them and they should be like, it should be like your wedding bouquet or something. Yeah. It should be like a memory and like effort into, you know, preserving them. Yeah. And like, there's just something so depressing about like, Oh, I just get them dead. So I don't have to deal with them. It's like, just makes me sad. Like just buy the flowers and then throw them out when they die. Like why, why are we spending a hundred dollars on it on flowers that are dead? It's just, it's like, it's just, depressing it's just like I can't deal with it during COVID like I don't want to look at a bouquet of dead flowers while I'm also in quarantine I want to have fresh fucking flowers so I can be reminded of you know life and beauty and progress and not think about death and decay yeah I 100% agree that this is the wrong time to get into dead flowers Um, any sort of gothic aesthetic it's just too depressing. Uh, I asked John today if we can put up our Christmas decorations early 
because I need, I need a little boost. I need some Bath and Body Works candles. I need some Christmas spirit. I need something. Yeah. I was actually considering, um, getting a Christmas tree this year, which would be like, you know, shocking for me because I have never gotten a Christmas tree. And I, I might too. We haven't gotten one in a few years. Uh, but I might, yeah, I mean, I mean, I might need something, something piney to smell. Something piney. Yeah. I, well, actually that's not true. I got one once in Chicago, once or twice, but that was it. Uh, okay. My saddest, this was just like, what the fuck is Goop doing? And I realized again, they have to partner with these very sort of, you know, middle-class brands. But this one, I was like, what the fuck? They uh, had an article called what Goop staffers are gifting themselves this year in partnership with our friends at Anthropology. And I think, I don't know what offended me specifically about Anthropology. I, it, anthropology, I guess, okay, Anthropology, to be completely honest, I, full disclosure, I worked at Anthropology in college. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Okay, I've talked about it. Um, it's because it's owned by Urban Outfitters and it's like, I feel like 20 years ago or something, it had sort of the allure of being slightly upscale. Like the clothes are relatively expensive for being such shit quality. But now it's just, it's in every mall. No cool trend-setting woman is like, oh, I just like picked this up at Anthropology. It's, it seems like a, like a, almost like a QAnon, like a, like a red state conservative woman brand, right? Am I crazy? I, I mean, I don't really know. I guess I could see that. I feel like this might be a little bit of like you not wanting to be a member of like any club that would have, not, you're not oh, wanting yeah. to have someone like you as a member. Like I, um, I've always liked anthropology. Um, I mean, yeah, it's in every mall, but it, I think it always sort of has been like, I've always considered it to be sort of like a mall store. It's never been like a, I've never considered it to be like a designer store, like something that would be, but it, it's like, as far as those things go, I consider it sort of in the realm of like a free people. Yeah. Um, well, so it's all the same. It's all the same company. They're also, yeah, under Urban Outfitters. um, I mean, I don't know. I have some stuff from anthropology. I don't, I don't hate it. I mean, I, I like like some of their, you know, home, decor and stuff is nice. I think, I guess it's because like, even though anthropology is, you know, an older brand than Goop, it seems sometimes because Goop to me is like the true, you know, high end best example of everything you could get. Anthropology, it always, it just seems like you're striving for something. You're striving for something better than what you actually are. If you get something in anthropology and maybe that's just like my snobbishness. Um, well, like, what do you, so like, what's like a better, what's like, what are you striving? Like if you buy stuff at anthropology, like where do you wish that you were shopping? I think you wish that you were shopping at like a cute little, you know, designer boutique in Nolita or, you know, a great like open air market in Marrakesh or, you know, the most <laughs> cool, like vintage, you know, store, uh, on, you know, in, on the Lower East Side or something, but you're not at any of these places. So you're at anthropology. You're, you're a suburban middle-class woman driving, driving a minivan 
who wants to escape from the drudgery of her life. And so she goes to anthropology. This is, I, now I'm sounding like just like a complete asshole, but. No, I think that like, to me, yeah, like anthropology definitely is front. And it also, Urban Outfitters has the same thing of being sort of like posery, like Mm -hmm. Urban Outfitters, like when you, is like the younger version of anthropology and they're both like, oh, I don't really know any cool stores, but I can sort of adopt this look if I get the right amount of things from like Urban Outfitters. So I look like, it's like when like conservative people are like, oh, the hipsters at Starbucks and Urban Outfitters. Like, I feel like that's how they talk about it. But I mean, I also do like like the stuff that they sell at both of those places oh totally i mean i shopped at urban outfitters forever and like i will still go into anthropology and buy gifts and you know they have really nice plates i think it's just like goop i still have this romantic vision of goop of just being above it all and stuff like like this reminds me that it's not i feel like goop is exactly the same as anthropology oh you're no you're, you're right and I feel like they're like the lines that they carry and everything is like very anthropology to me. Like it's very like, um, or to me, it's like, it's, it's like anthropology plus Nordstrom plus like a couple of things that like they make themselves, but like, it's not, especially their clothes are like, like I, they're really, I like them a lot, but I don't, I don't feel like they're like, high, high, high fashion or something. Who, I mean, Goop is definitely like, at least like more expensive than anthropology as far as the clothes, but it's the same. I mean, you're targeting pretty much the same type of person. You're targeting the same, this, yeah, the same audience. I guess I want to think of Goop as like high end in the same sense of like Mary-Kate and Ashley, The Row. And I know like The Row would never do a collaboration with anthropology. So then I expect Goop not to either, even though it's not really the same thing. Yeah, I mean, it's just, like, the style, too, because, like, they, Goop loves that, like, anthropology, you can always go in there and find, like, a dress that would be normal, but there's, like, a huge hole in the midsection or something, like, there's always, like, a fucking annoying, like, thing that makes whatever it is weird and also has this, like, bohemian edge to it, not everything there, but a lot of the stuff there, where it's, like, all, like, layers and drippy and droopy and whatever. I'll tell you. Uh, and I don't know if this is still the case, but when I worked there, anthropology said to the employees that there were always three concepts in the store going on. There was always a super feminine French girly concept. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a, uh, like a vintage inspired concept. And there was like a multicultural world concept. And then every season they would slightly tweak them, but it would always be those three like vibes going on yeah and I feel like goop sort of has a similar aesthetic like they have like the chic French thing they have the like bohemian like artist thing and they have like the romantic like hyper feminine those three looks are very like very very well represented on the goop website so maybe they're not that different um but I understand why it's like a mall store and you want Goop to be higher. I mean, I know it's like, it's always depressing when, when, but it's like, to me, once they did it with CB2, it's like, I think that. Oh yeah. That was the beginning of the end. Are like exactly the same. I mean, 
it's only a matter of time before they have a collab with target like it's and it's you know what that's fine i'm sure there have been lots of meetings about goop with target and that would be great because actually like then i could like afford to buy it so uh but target is like to me target is like it is what it is like it's not trying to be anything different or upscale anthropology is in that like weird and maybe it's because the 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 customer base is a little older. I feel like they should know better. Whereas urban outfitters or even like hot topic is like, you know, poser for like middle schoolers and high school and urban outfitters is like college age posers. And I'm like, that's fine. But once you're in, I don't know, <sighs> once you're in your adult years, make a little more effort. Even though I don't. I, I don't know. It's so funny. Cause like anthropology was my favorite store when I was in like high school and college. That was when I went there. That's funny. There. Cause it's like specifically their target demo is like a woman, uh, 30 to 50 is what they always told us. Really? Yeah. I always did find the clothes like, but I felt like that, like French girl stuff they had, like, I loved it. And like, I would always be seeking that stuff out, but I could never afford it. I have to go in like the sale room in the back. Which is always a disaster area. Uh, yeah. So it's, you know, it's probably my own personal baggage, like everything else. Uh, what would you try? Um, I would try, um, let's see. I would try, oh, the loosen your waistband guy. (laughs) There was this guy named, sorry, I'm like looking up his name right now. There was an, something, this guy named Eric Pepper, <laughs> which I think is a cute name for a man to have. It is. And he has, the, he's a PhD in something. And he has this new book called Tech Stress. And it's all about how, um, like basically because you sit crouched in front of a computer all day it like increases your stress and it like makes you have like physical pain (laughs) and he has these like this like five step process for alleviating that so like once you feel your pain it's too late (laughs) so just assume that you're unaware of what's happening in your body and then take 20 minute stretch breaks then he says that you're supposed to breathe six times a minute that's crazy and then he also says that you are let me see he also says that you are supposed to choose what you focus on like you have the ability to to pick what you what it is that you focus on so like don't worry about like when you have like negative thoughts like replace them with positive thoughts or something i'm not totally sure haven't read the book but i do feel like I'm in constant pain because I'm like always like sitting in front of a computer and like I do have like he's talking about how like you know it's when you see something traumatic like it's common to have like a trauma response in your body and to like feel it physically which is definitely something that like I experience and like many people experience and he's saying there's so much visual stimulus now from you know different screens and uh consuming content your your body doesn't really know the difference between a real like fear response and then responding to something in you know the cyber world so it's like every you're just constantly bombarded with with adrenaline and like all those things that that 
should not happen as often as they do. Yeah. And also just like being crouched in front of a computer is just like not good for your back basically. <laughs> oh, for sure. So all of these things I'm like, yes, like I understand this man. And like, I kind of want to read his book and do his program. So you should read this book. I'm two thirds of the way through a return to love. Mm. Uh, even though I think my loan is expiring. So hopefully it'll come again soon. Um, I read a return to love like during the, when she was writing. <laughs> oh, sure. It, I, the, the middle part is a little too much about like dating and stuff, which I'm like, yeah. eh. um, I mean, I feel like kind of, I mean, no offense to Marianne, but it does sort of follow the same thing as like a lot of those self-help books where oh, like, yeah. it just sort of like repeats itself and like kind of goes in what feels like unnecessary directions to like prove its point over and over again. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Because it's not, there's not that much there. Like it's maybe. Yeah. I feel like some, most self-help books could be basically a pamphlet, but they have to make it like 300 pages or whatever. So they just like fill it with like personal stories or whatever. And she's written like 25 books. So she, she's a genius. That's what she's doing. Yeah. Uh, okay. I would try oh, those recipes, the, tur the roast chicken and the gravy. Um, yeah. What would you buy? Oh God, this was a hard one. I think I may have left it. Oh yeah. All I wrote was sick of clothes. I think this is why I was like talking about the poop, like not being surprised about them. Like I was just going through, they're having the big sale right now. I was just like going through it and I was just like, this is just like not exciting. Like this, it's like all clothes are the fucking same. Like every piece of clothing that I can afford, looks exactly the same as every other piece of clothing. And they're all from, like you said, like the mini man shame factories of like anthropology, Nordstrom, Goop on sale. Like that's where I get my clothes and they are all, or like cheaper places. And like, they're all boring. I'm sick yeah. of all of them. I mean, it's the same for men. It's like Uniqlo, if I'm being a little spendy, Everlane, maybe H&M. Maybe Banana Republic, J. Crew, and that's about that's about it. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I haven't bought anything from Uniqlo in a long time, but I mean, I'm not gonna buy any clothes for the rest of the year. But just like the stuff is just like, even when you, you know what I mean? Like sometimes even when you like it, it's like I'm just looking at the same thing over and over again, and it's like I already have a dress with like huge sleeves that's like falling off my body. Like I already have like a pair of pants that looks like it's made out of like a burlap sack. Like I have all this stupid shit. Yeah, and especially like when you're in your house for months at a time, it it, it becomes so clear that you we don't need ninety percent of our wardrobe. Like, you know, I mean, I. I'm wearing these Uniqlo sweatpants right now and I wear them almost every day and they're perfect. And I could just have like three pairs of these and never buy clothes for the rest of my life and be perfectly happy. Oh my God. That's the most depressing thing I've ever heard. Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they're so comfortable. Um, so yeah, I didn't, I couldn't really find anything I really wanted to buy this week. Um, I did see, it does look really beautiful. In, in that anthropology article, they were allowed to um, talk about some non-anthropology items. And one of them was a Staub tea kettle. Yeah. Which just looks so beautiful. Um, it's like a sort of a slate blue, you know, 
ceramic um, with a metal uh, handle. And I think it comes with like its own little tea ball. So you can actually brew the tea in the kettle. That's looks cute. gorgeous. And it's $200. Um, yeah, that was the same article where I had the dead flowers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it would just be like a tea kettle is something you can just have on your stove all the time. And it's sort of a, it's the aesthetics are just as important as the, the utility, I think. And this one is beautiful. Yeah. Do you drink much tea? Every once in a while. I mean, I drink like a few times a week. I do have a tea kettle on my stove permanently, yeah. but it's like a big red one. And um, I make tea, uh, I don't know, maybe two or three nights a week. Oh, that's a lot. Herbal tea? Uh, yes. I yeah. like this one called like Henry. What the fuck is it called? Henry and someone. I don't know. It, it's like. Um, it's like their famous blend. It's called blue and yellow. And it's like a, it's like a really nice herbal tea. That sounds good. Yeah. I wish I could tell you more, but I, I can off the top of my head. Yeah. yeah. Cause I, I tried like to cut myself off caffeine wise after one cold brew in the morning. So when I drink tea, it's almost always herbal. Um, I will do like a mint or, um, there's like a peach herbal tea that's nice. I have some like fall festival one now, but I haven't even opened it. So I don't know what it tastes like, but yeah, I like uh, it. Oh, it's called Harney and Sons, yellow oh. and blue, perennial and lavender. I've heard of Harney and Sons. Um, they, they're the ones with like the geometric three-dimensional tea bags, right? Um, they, I think that some of, yeah, I think that some of them are like that, but I've had, yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I don't really drink herbal tea unless it's like before bed. Yeah, yeah. I think you have to be sort of psycho to drink herbal tea in the morning. Well, I need caffeine in the morning oh, and yeah. I need and I like to have it throughout the day. I Yeah, I I think it's really helped me to like not have that second jolt of caffeine at lunchtime or even the late morning because I like even earlier this year, I feel like I would just be so tired in the afternoon, like around three or four. And now um, I don't I don't have those bouts of lethargy anymore in the afternoon. So I don't know what it is, but it's either that or I'm just exercising more consistently. I think that's all it could be. Could be both. Who knows? All right, guys. Okay. This is it. Uh, are we? I guess we're taking next week off, probably. Or are we gonna do it? Oh yeah, let's gonna... take next week off for Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. You don't need to hear us. Yeah. Spend time with your whatever family that you already live with, and yeah, um, and Zoom. We love, you. we love you. And happy Thanksgiving. Remember, have a roast chicken. Don't have a turkey. Don't have a turkey or what? do whatever. I mean, we're not going to tell you what to do, but don't go to a party or something. Come on, like be smart. Yeah. Do whatever. Do whatever. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. You know what to do. The information's out there. Do be smart. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.